Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, I'm Caroline. And I'm Anna. And this is Seriously, the pop culture podcast from the New Statesman. Welcome back to Seriously. We've just had a lovely bank holiday weekend. Caroline, did you get up to anything particularly fun in your bank holiday weekend? I did, and also a bit pop culture I went to the Brief Encounter Museum. Oh my god, that is so you. <laughs> I know, I know. So it's in a place called Carnforth, which is where they filmed Brief Encounter in 1945. It's actually at the station, like it's on the platform. Yeah. It's in the old refreshment waiting room bit. They have a David Lean exhibition, so with photos and stuff from all of his films. <laughs> if you don't know, he also directed like Oliver Twist and Dr. Zhivago and Lawrence of Arabia and, you know, big time 20th century mm-hmm. films, as well as Brief Encounter. They've got lots of the costumes and random props. The actual tea room for the station is still set up as if it was in Brief Encounter. (laughs) Oh my god, (laughs) that's so great. The original, like, metal till where you have to press the levers and all that kind of stuff. How adorable. Yeah, it's generally great. Also, they have a a room set up like a tiny, tiny cinema with about six seats in it where you can just watch Brief Encounter. They just run it constantly on a loop. (laughs) So we watched about 20 minutes of Brief Encounter somewhere in the middle. Yeah, it's really, really good and I can't recommend it highly enough. My only understanding of brief encounter is through a the history boys Mm. and b that victoria wood sketch where (laughs) she goes to the station to buy it what did she say like i went to the station to buy my usual coconut and pineapple or something (laughs) (laughs) yes and Uh, she gets some mince pie in her eye because the thing in brief encounter is that it's two people who get trains in opposite directions on the same day she gets a bit of grit in her eye from a steam train dashing past and he helps her so that's why victoria wood like slams a mince pie in her eyes oh no there's a pie in my eye (laughs) sense yeah exactly <laughs> it works perfectly but actually having re-watched the film after seeing that victoria wood sketch again celia imry's character in mm. the sketch is bang on really it's almost uncanny how <laughs> just exactly she says the same lines 
film. Oh, brilliant. That's um, so good. If anyone hasn't seen that sketch, we'll link to it because yeah, we'll it is excellent. Yeah, we'll put it in excellent. the show notes. We've had some emails, as usual. I've had a lovely one from Georgia here who basically said that she is on the industry part of her degree, which I guess is like placements. Yeah. And so she's been a little bit lonely, so she's been listening to, seriously, lots and lots. She says it's given her new things to listen to and watch in the evenings to distract her, Outlander in particular, and then she's done like a heart eyes emoji. So I'm so glad the Outlander love is just being shared. Incidentally, the second series of Outlander has started... I have not watched any of it, but anyone who is watching it, can you tell me if I should? Oh my god, one thing that mm-hmm. suggests that you probably should is that Channing Tatum and his wife Jenna Dewan's Instagrams, they've like been doing loads of Instagrams in the last couple of days of them in some like nice, crumbly, rural, period-looking place, and uh, in like nice dresses and suits, and the caption Channing Tatum but was just, we've been watching a lot of Outlander recently. <laughs> Oh, wow, okay. Because, yes, the trailer for the second series, I think Jamie and Claire go to France. They possibly go to maybe the Jacobite court in exile because, yeah, basically they've made Sam Watts' face brush his hair (laughs) (laughs) and wear a kind of suit jacket with his kilt. Oh, real. Okay, well, yeah, that's the kind of the biggest recommend you could get for something like that I think if it comes via Channing Tatum's Instagram. Georgia also says, have you guys ever watched Green Wing? Which, yes. Yes, I bloody love Greenwing. We love Greenwing. I moved house the other week and almost the first thing I did after I'd unpacked everything was watch Greenwing. Really? Yeah. Aww. I don't know why, but I just felt really strongly like it would be a nice thing to do on my first night in a new house. So good that it's still in the DVD rotor. So maybe we'll do that in more detail sometime soon. Yeah, we've also had an email from Catherine who has a similar story to Georgia actually. She said, your podcast is what kept me going while I lived in Midwest America last year and needed a dose of British telly and feminism. And now this is the bit that I loved about this email. I got introduced to it by my dad, who is completely obsessed so apparently you have a demographic in the 50 year old Blairite man (laughs) oh my god hi Catherine's dad did she say his name no she doesn't so yeah hello Catherine's dad thank you very much for (laughs) being really good at recommending podcasts to your daughter we really appreciate it my own dad doesn't listen to this but I'm glad (laughs) Catherine's dad does (laughs) also shout out to all the Blairite men out there yeah shout out we know a lot of them (laughs) yeah moving on from politics because that's just not my bag today Catherine continues she really wants to recommend Jane the Virgin first series is on UK Netflix a sitcom about a young woman who gets accidentally artificially inseminated yeah I really want to watch Jane the Virgin People have recommended to us before we've been meaning to, so definitely one that's on the list. Absolutely. So today, this Tuesday, the 3rd of May, is the morning of the year for me, in that it's the morning where we can look through all the pictures from the Met Gala. Yes, oh, I love it so much. Which is one of my favourite activities. Have you had a look, click through the like 130 Vogue pictures yep. or whatever? Obviously, first thing I did when I woke up was go on the Daily Mail website and yeah. then scroll forever <laughs> as I looked at pictures of people wearing really strange clothes from every conceivable angle. Did you get like repetitive thumb stroke injury from yeah. just the constant scrolling? It made me wish I had a laptop with a larger screen because <laughs> of all the scrolling. Any highlights? Any faves? I actually really like Kristen Stewart. Yeah really again kind of boring to me well they're all a bit boring so the theme was something about the future like manus ex machina or something (laughs) so basically man v machine or whatever that means which everyone interpreted as wear something a bit shiny yeah it was just like a sort of vague foiled event yeah so lots and lots of people in sort of silvery things quite sci-fi-ish inspired stuff Mm. lots of like cutaway bits yeah and Kristen Stewart was wearing like silver eyeshadow and some like sort of yeah cutaway bits and lots of jewellery yeah and then there are always the people who are just like you know what I'm not participating in this theme I'm just gonna look really nice (laughs) which is so 
dull. It's so miserable. So you get people just wearing like a generically nice thing. Yeah, like a long red dress or a long white dress. Like, like Amy like... Schumer was just wearing a nice red dress. Mm. Yeah, I, I find that like go wear that any other day of your life. Like yeah. if you want to wear a cream silk dress with a big slit up the thigh, like go to the Oscars, go to the Emmys or go wherever else. Not like these sorts of people have a shortage of red carpet events to attend. Why don't you just wear that? To yeah, whereas one. the Met Gala is your opportunity to wear something like made of potatoes inside out. Yeah, 12 fascinators. Yeah. Where else are you going to get to wear 12 fascinators? There's a, a really soft place in my heart for the people who really embrace that idea. So yeah. people like Lady Gaga, who, as you said in your piece, turned up wearing like dressed like a sexy microchip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she had like enormous crazy platforms on as well. And I know that people are going to be like, oh yeah, sure, crazy platforms, who cares? But like, as in, they were probably the length of her leg over yeah. again. <laughs> and she was wearing tights and a sort of, yeah, microchip style bodice. And that was it, really. Mm. Yeah. Madonna, who was seen to be mostly wearing insulation tape, from what I could tell. Yeah, she managed to cover like the entirety of her body in like black tape, except like key areas like bum cheek, tits, like <laughs> those she like left tastefully exposed, <laughs> which I quite liked. Yeah, I'm all for all that. Yeah, Claire Danes wore a dress that sort of glowed in the dark and lit up from underneath, yeah. which I thought was quite fun. I really loved that. I think my favourite was some either Solange or um, Lupita Nyong'o, who both mm. wore like cool colours, cool hair. Really, it was like outlandish and bizarre, but still like looked really good, which mm. I think is so difficult to do because you either like look outlandish and bizarre, like I don't know, Chris Jenner was wearing like enormous leather devil horns, <laughs> <laughs> or you look like boring and tasteful yeah. and i like it when people somehow manage to just like get that brilliant intersection of the two and those well, two both did that for me and i wish more people would embrace it as the crazy wear anything you like event that it should be agreed especially the men yes like you pointed out in your piece about it that tom hiddleston could have just been a man going to an event at any point after 1850 yeah it's really i get so frustrated with it like orlando bloom put a tamagotchi on his lapel and he was the most outlandishly dressed man there pretty mm. much apart from like kanye west and you know other people who are more likely to do that but yeah men in general need to up their game it's really boring for all of us come on pull your weight so from those men to another man great sec (laughs) (laughs) the first thing we're going to talk about today is drake views views is the latest album from canadian rapper drake it's an abbreviation of views from the six which references drake's hometown of toronto but this album has been in the works for so long he just managed to drop the from the six and now it's just views so that's his fourth studio album which sees drake continue with his distinctly insular almost paranoid brand of rap music so we've both been listening to that over the long weekend caroline any immediate major thoughts no which i think is not a good thing (laughs) on having spent some time with a new album my main takeaway from this album is that drake is okay Mm. well it was a very drakey album i think it like represents a lot of what drake's about which is this sort of weirdly emotional well i don't want to say weirdly because a lot of rap music is emotional but this sort of self-aware emotional analytical paranoid level of emotion that is really self-referential and weird one of my friends always says that drake sounds like he writes all his songs while he's in the toilet in the nightclub which i think is the best way to describe it it's like 4am and he's absolutely miserable and he's like running over the night's events in his mind to like a weird paranoid extent because he's like had too much to drink and too much to smoke and that's definitely what this album did but Mm. to such an extent it was so sort of like drake squared that it became a little bit monotonous maybe yes i think that's fair i also felt like quite a lot of the songs were too long Mm. in the sense that by the time the you know the first idea in the song had come back round and we were at like four and a half minutes and there was still a minute to go i was kind of thinking "Mm, i've I've heard this idea now next one Mm. and i think that feeling is exacerbated 
underrated when, as you say, there's a lot of similarity between all the songs on the album. Yeah, that, definitely. You know, I after I think the first couple of listens could probably only have picked out maybe two or three yeah. tracks and like, named them and been able to imagine what they sounded like. Yeah, I think that's a, a fair appraisal. I think also it's difficult for poor Drake following Lemonade yeah. because we've just had a really <laughs> burst of like extreme and amazing like emotion that is like a journey with peaks and troughs and it's like a concept album it's compact it's interesting and then to get this straight after that it's like your brain doesn't know quite how to process it such a different beast but perhaps not in the most positive way there were some highlights for me i mean you were saying you really like controller My AI just changed. It just buzzed the front gate. I thank God you came. How many more days could I wait? I made plans with you. I do. Yeah. I do really like that song, which has been around a bit already. Also, it sits sort of roughly in the middle of the album. Mm. And when I first got to it, I thought, okay, good. Here's the kind of gear change. Sadly, doesn't then yeah. carry on at that that sort of level. I do think but... the middle of the album is the, is the best bit of yeah. the album. There are a few songs sort of hanging around in the middle there. And I good. also really liked Too Good, which features Rihanna. Yeah, that's great. I like that too. I, I quite liked Child's Play, mm. which has my favourite lyric, I think, on the whole album, which is, why you got to fight with me at Cheesecake? You know I love to go there which is like a <laughs> cheesecake factory in America which is just obviously their like big ch- dessert chain place which I just love the idea of someone being like babe like not in Pizza Hut <laughs> you yeah. know it's sacrilegious to talk you know, to me I'm like really that in enjoying, Pizza Hut I'm really enjoying my ice cream factory can we not fight now <laughs> so funny I also really liked Views which is like the penultimate song or something on it because I I do like Drake when he's sort of sampling and a bit more sort of melodic and emotional in that sense because one of my favourite Drake songs of all time is Jungle Mm. which is very like that I think those were my highlights I also wonder if he knows how his music translates into pop culture he's aware of like his quote meme ability and Mm. stuff like that I wonder if there's an an extra layer of self-awareness that sort of stagnates the album a bit because he put this album off and put it off and put it off and put it off and in the meantime since his last studio album he's released two really punchy spontaneous compact little mixtapes that have done really really well maybe the pressure was too much you know I'm being harsh because there are some really great songs on this album but just the feel of it as a whole feels a little bit like constipated almost to me yeah I think that's fair actually I was thinking about that while I was listening to it that maybe this is the album of someone experiencing extreme self-doubt maybe yeah (laughs) and as a result leveling everything off in a way that feels safe yeah but isn't necessarily exciting yeah i agree and i think i'd like to hear another little mixtape from drake next because i think at the moment that's where his most sort of like creative stuff is Mm. is coming from and i think also drake albums can be a bit of a slow burn and maybe in a few weeks time i'll look back and be like actually that album was really good and i was being really really unfair but i'll sit with it for a while and Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? 
For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. See how we go. Question is, will I ever leave you? The answer is no, 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 no,
Zoe Boyle's character. Yeah, who, there are lots of little flags about that. Like she yeah. keeps going on about a B tech that she's got, which like yeah. when I was at school, like if you had a B tech, it was because you weren't like academic or middle class enough. Yeah, to you have do them instead of GCSEs. GCSEs yeah. yeah, Lavinia, as I'm going to call her from Downton Abbey, <laughs> um, keeps telling everyone that she works in the public sector and she leads a small team. And, yeah, she's a, that's like the and, one bit of her story she can remember. And she dresses very much in a kind of middle class professional way. Yeah, and, and she's she's desperate basically to sort of cut. A cord between her and Lisa because she's fed up of her but a lot of the things that seem to irritate her seem slightly rooted in class like I yeah. don't know if it's that's fair to say all the time but it definitely is an interesting portrait of like a friendship across classes anyway yeah and also not just a friendship because we haven't sort of heard too much of their backstory as friends mm. but my sense is that they were flatmates first mm. and have become friends because they've lived together for a few years yeah because there's a little line isn't there where lisa's like oh you've been, you were my longest flatmate you've been living with me for two years eight months you're the longest by two years so there's a kind of sense that they wouldn't know each other if it weren't yeah, for the flat definitely. and that's how they so because they went to different kinds of schools i expect and all that kind of thing contextually the the episode begins with rona telling leanne oh i'm moving out I don't want to basically live with you anymore. I bought somewhere. I'm going to live on my own. And then not with you. Yeah, exactly. And then obviously that sort of like cosmic joke of the show is that just as she was about to sever ties with Leanne, they're forced together as part of this witness protection program. So they're like trying to come to terms with A, continuing to live together and B, living together with completely new identities and like no money in a completely different place. And, and not being able to go to work and all the and rest And trying of not to yeah. get shot by the gang members who basically want them dead. Yeah, so the gang members are really interesting because on the one hand, they look completely unthreatening. Mm. And because they, they both look like they're about 12 and they're very sort of almost stylized and caricature in that like white rude boy yeah. way. They're like gelled hair bristolian accents revved up to the max but even in the first episode they've already managed to work out where leanne and rona live and they've gone round there and killed their neighbor so they are the baddies but they're not like i definitely don't hate them or anything like that i'm kind of i'm interested in their story and i'm interested in the kind of contrast between their total incompetence and apparent quite efficiency they're the other big source of humor like their their dynamic with each other and their stupidity is one of the big sources of humor in this show as much as rona and Leanne's relationship is there's a scene in the second episode which i don't want to spoil for anyone because it is excellent that made me just laugh out loud a lot which is to do with the younger of the two boys doing some like online fraud <laughs> which is very very funny particularly for kind of generational differences in the way people type on the internet and stuff because mm. you see like a text or like messenger conversation flashing up between a younger person and like someone 30 years older and the older person keeps putting like regards tony at the end of all his <laughs> messages <laughs> I love it. Yeah, there's a fun technological element in this program in general. Like, I like the way that it's littered with these little sort of, like, cultural and technological things that really place it for you in time and space. So there's, like, they get given a video in the first episode to watch, which is, like, meant to be an introduction into the Witness Protection Program, but it's clearly, like, about 15 years too old, and it's really dated, and it stars John Inverdale. Yeah, who does, you know, he does, like, Countryfile and yeah. Crime Watch and stuff like that, you know. <laughs> He's a really, like, 
bread and butter BBC factual TV presenter. I, th- I think it wasn't he on Blue Peter as a younger man or something. I don't know, like, but yeah. he's just got that sort of like familiar face and you're like, oh, I've seen you everywhere. That video is really funnily done. It made me laugh so much and it's sort of like cut, the whole episode is sort of cuts between that and the... Yeah, so as Leanne and Rona kind of encounter various problems with their new status in the Witness Protection Programme, you get a little bit of the John Inverdale video mm-hmm. dealing with don't have sex with people. Or, or like this, yeah. on your first day, you should go to the dentist yeah. or whatever. I loved that one of the main plot points revolves around Leanne not wanting to let go of her Boots Advantage card. Yes. <laughs> Which That's is so like good. absolutely how, how I would feel as well. And then she's like, okay, I'll cut up my card, but you owe me eight meal deals. <laughs> <laughs> There's 2,000 points on it. <laughs> Which I love so much. There's just lots of little bits like that where you're like, oh, it feels really like human and sort of now and very relatable. It's also got a weirdness to it that I really enjoy. Yes, I totally agree. I think a less good programme would be a lot more literal. Yeah, definitely. About this, whereas, yeah, there's a kind of hovering on the edge of surreality at all times with this that I really like. Mm. I think continuing in our tradition of identifying history boys in Mm. random TV shows, this stars history boy Crowther. It does, yep. Who's also, you might know, as Danny Pink from Doctor Who. And anyway, he's handsome as ever. And in this, as sort of like someone that Leanne sort of sleeps with regrettably. I think the character I've seen him play in the last few things he's been in, which is like incidental handsome man. Yeah, in Gavin and Stacey, they call him Fingus. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And uh, uh, Gavin's mum, Pam, is always like, feels wrong calling a grown man fingers. (laughs) But yeah, he's great. And yeah, I I found it really fun. And I actually think it's something that I'll like watch maybe on my... Like, it's so... It's difficult because we're seriously... There's so much stuff that we're like, oh, yeah, I'll probably keep on watching that. And then a lot of the time I don't. But I feel like this might be quite good as like a lunch break style thing. Yeah, they're only half an hour, the episodes as well. And... For better or worse, it's always easier, I find, to keep up with stuff that's on iPlayer just because it's more accessible. Definitely. And there's just something... I don't know what it is in me, but when something's British and, like, very relatable... I'm more likely to watch that than something that I might like more that isn't. So, like, yeah, I, I, I know used to watch... Um, did you watch, uh, the like, what's it called when you go into a lottery as a group? The Syndicate. The Syndicate, yeah. Mm. I always used to watch The Syndicate on, with, like, lunch. I don't know why. It just felt so accessible. No, I know what you mean. Like, of all the things we've done on the podcast recently that I've meant to keep up with, Jessica Jones was one I really wanted to keep watching. Mm. Really enjoyed it. Found it so interesting. It's on Netflix. I'm still only seven episodes into the 13-show <laughs> series because for some reason, I don't think I can watch it while I'm eating or doing yeah, something else. Yeah, which you want is, to concentrate on it. Which is mostly how I do my non-seriously TV watching. Yeah. Whereas I would feel no compunction about like eating a sandwich while I watch Witless. Yeah, exactly. I is, don't know. Our brains are weird. Is it because I don't want to eat in front of Americans? Like, what is it? I don't know. It just feels more like at home. So you're mm. like, yeah, I can watch this in my pants. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I agree. I'm, I think this, therefore, might be something that I just like keep going with in that sense because it's really, really good. So do give it a watch.
So last episode, I recommended that Anna watch the first ever episode of The West Wing, which I think is just called Pilot, and that she accompany this with the first episode of The West Wing Weekly Podcast. Yeah, that was a really great way to do it. I'm glad that worked out, because I've been very slowly re-watching The West Wing to keep up with the podcast, because I really, really like it, and mm. I haven't done a proper rewatch in, well, since it was on. So it's good to have an excuse. And I've really, really enjoyed the experience of seeing it again with their commentary, so I thought yeah. you would as well. I'm almost jealous of them with their format, that they get to just do, like, one episode at a time, really contained like that, because it's such a fun way to, like, really get into the detail of yeah. stuff. So they, like, talked about all the six different plots that happen in that first episode, which I guess we're sort of going to do now in, like, a meta way. So I'd never seen The West Wing before were you aware of any of its kind of cultural heritage in in any way well i thought not and then i watched it and i was like ah okay there are certain things that i know because of this show that i didn't know that i knew which i think is always the mark of a show that had a real impact it was really interesting for that reason and it's it's also interesting as like a time capsule and Mm. i obviously as someone who was not like an adult in 1999 or whenever this this pilot is from I have no idea, you know, how realistic it is. Certainly I have no idea how realistic it is in the sphere of Washington politics, especially. But it's really funny seeing plots that revolve around the use of pages and, like, these men wandering around in suits that they're literally drowning in. Why are all the suits so oversized? (laughs) It's, like, really bizarre. And, yeah, like, just enormous cell phones. Yeah. Huge. It's really funny to me for that reason. One of the first major reveals in the episode is there's this whole plot where people are talking about this guy potus and no one knows who he is and like you're meant to be like is that your mate potus and obviously watching i'm like why is everyone acting like potus isn't a perfectly common piece of parlance i mean everyone says everyone hears potus and uses potus barack obama's twitter handle is at potus like we know what it means that the show kind of popularized exactly that must be the thing how it works yeah because there's this this moment where she's like oh yeah your friend potus paged you and he's like dun dun that's the president of the United States. And you're meant to be like, oh, shit. <laughs> but obviously you're just like, yeah, no, duh. <laughs> also, it was interesting for me re-watching it, having not seen the very beginning of series one mm. since the first time I watched the beginning of series one, but having obviously seen later episodes far more recently and seeing how, like, how little Martin Sheen is it is in it, for right, instance. Right, right. He sort of pops up... In these big schmaltzy moments where it's like, ah, the president. Like, you want to get out your little flag and, like, wave it every time he comes on screen. With the clothes on their back, they came through a storm. And the ones that didn't die want a better life and they want it here. Talk about impressive. My point is this. Break's over. Thank you, Mr. President. Thank you, Mr. President. Which I found really weird. I think in general I found this tonally utterly bizarre as a programme. And I don't know whether how... I mean, presumably the West Wing was hugely influential and it has influenced the tone of later big political dramas. And on a surface level, this is a really cynical show. Like the president tells someone to get their fat ass out of the room. Like there's a whole plot line revolving around a snarky remark that someone's made on TV. This guy, Josh Nyman. And there's lots of walk and talk, you know, very Aaron Sorkin, very, very quick paced dialogue that is very sort of cynical and edgy and snarky. But underneath that, the tone of this program is incredibly schmaltzy and like idealistic, which is just something you don't really see in the, like, I'm thinking of, you know, like 
I don't know, House of Cards and Scandal and the thick of it and all these programs now, they're not like, you don't have a scene at the end where the president gives an emotional speech and everyone's like, politics still has good people. Like, it's really weird and it's sometimes a bit jarring. Yeah, well, I think that's something that I really like about it in the sense that it operates in a kind of fantasy world where the people in government still think that they can change things for the better. Yeah, and they're all, like, very, very idealistic people. Yeah. And it's really, like... So a good example of this is that it's a major plot point, uh, I think, at the end of the first series, beginning of the second, where Martin Sheen's character is trying to decide if he's even going to run for a second term. Right. Because he's like, this well... This is his first term. This is his, watching, this is his yeah. first term, you know, I got into politics to change some things, like I've got some of the things I want done. You know, would it not be a, a personally motivated, selfish decision to try and hold on to this power for another four years? Mm. That's the decision he's trying to make. Whereas mm. obviously most presidents are like, hell yeah, I'll do this for, right, right, right. for twice as long. It's great, you know? Yeah, yeah. So that, that whole side of it, I was like, wow, that's dated, I think. Yeah. I think now we don't expect that from our I think it is, it is dated, but it's also very Sorkin-y. Mm, yeah, I, sure. I think Aaron Sorkin is still capable in 2016 of writing a show with a sort of a strand of naive idealism that you yeah. wouldn't get anywhere else. Like even in something like The Social Network, which is in a sense quite a dark film. Mm. you still get that kind of sense of like, well, Mark Zuckerberg thought he was doing a good thing. It was funny how how much some stuff is dated and how other stuff feels fairly relevant still. Like there's a whole strand in this episode about a religious group and they come in because they want this guy, Josh Lyman, to apologise for his aforementioned snarky TV comment. It gets quite aggressive, this conversation, even if it's surface level polite. And then there's like some very subtle language thrown around that seems pretty anti-Semitic. And that is something that like obviously in British politics in the last couple of weeks has been a huge issue. But again, it was dealt with very idealistically in that the president comes in and just like backs this Jewish guy completely. And like, it's just like, get out of my office to these people. Yeah, there's no sense that it's part of a wider culture or anything like that. And the ultimate conclusion is that the authority and the government are on the right side. Yeah. And the ultimate conclusion is like, there's not really any problems in government as a whole, which is... That's something that they bring out, I think, really well in subsequent editions of the Western Weekly podcast, where they say it's a really interesting drama concept to have the establishment as the good guys. Mm. Yeah, exactly. That is the fundamental thing you have to accept about the West Wing from the outset is that they are the good guys. Right. Yeah, that's probably what I struggle with a little bit. Let's go on to the important things, obviously. Which was your favourite hairstyle? (laughs) My favourite hairstyle? Well, I think the best hairstyle was Cuddy from House. Yeah. He plays like a sex worker who sleeps with handsome man Rob Lowe. Sam Seaborn. Sam Seaborn. I was quite shocked and impressed by like Alison Janney's hairstyle mm. and what's the character's name the one who's like speeding and on the phone Mandy Mandy yeah Mandy she's sort my, of like, hers is my favorite hair. yeah her like short 90s crop thing she's got going on is like very interesting so how long did this show go on for seven series okay I can't guarantee I'm gonna watch of all of 24 those. episodes each <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Well, I was impressed by the pilot as a whole. I think it was like a very compact, like there was so much going on. So much going on to the point I was like constantly confused. But I guess that's what Aaron Sorkin wants from me. Yeah, they do simplify it a bit. I think probably one of the bits of feedback they did get from the pilot was, okay, that was a lot going on, guys. It is a lot. But um, yeah, uh, an education in the West Wing for me this week. So that was entertaining. 
So for you next week, I thought I'd give you another film that is very close to my heart from my childhood, so you're not allowed to be mean about it, okay? <laughs> Which is another Johnny Depp film, maybe noticing a trend, but it's it's brilliant. It's so good. And this is John Waters' Crybaby. Uh, which is a sort of parody spoof 50s musical and it really ramps up the camp to a really hilarious level and I think you'll enjoy it. It's like set in a 1950s high school and Johnny Depp's the kind of bad boy who comes in and disrupts everything. So it's just a roller coaster ride of pure fun and joy and it's got its tongue in its cheek very firmly and I think you'll like it. I can't wait. Thanks for listening to Seriously, the pop culture podcast from the New Statesman. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to Seriously. All you have to do is search SRSLY in iTunes or any other podcasting app you use. While you're there, it would be really great if you could leave us an iTunes review as it helps other people find the show. We also rely on you listeners for your recommendations. So if you want to tell us what you thought about something or if you've got something we should watch, you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, via email. All the details are on seriouslypodcast.com. If you like, you can also recommend us to your friends, family, neighbours, strangers. Let them know that you like the podcast and that they should be listening to it too. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.